You're listening to the Up In Your Business Podcast, episode 009. On this show, I talk to Jeff Sanders about productivity, dealing with your haters, and his new book, The 5 A.M. Miracle, Dominate Your Day Before Breakfast. It literally means that I'm a different and better person every single week, and that's the goal. Welcome to the Up In Your Business Podcast building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello there. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Angus Nelson. I'm your host uh, for this podcast, Up In Your Business, and I am so happy you're here to join me today. My wife, my kids are outside in the garage. Our neighborhood is having a garage sale, and so they are going through the house and pulling things out of the closets and trying to get rid of them for prices that are reasonable for the buyers. And I've found and learned that I'm terrible at pricing anything for garage sales. You know, in my mind, I think, well, this is what I paid for it, and this is um, what I personally might be willing to pay for it in its used state. But unfortunately, what I think it's worth is not necessarily congruent with what a buyer is willing to spend. And I'm terrible because I think something's worth $10. My wife will shake her head and say, honey, it's not worth more than two fifty. dollars so apparently garage sales are on a completely different scale than how my brain thinks, and I, I wish I could tell you that I cared so much that I would do something different, and uh, really all that means is I just leave the garage sale because it, it just it pains me so to watch things go for so cheap. At the same token, at least we're getting rid of things and we're minimizing our house and decluttering, and that's fantastic. However, in relation to our conversation today with our guest, Uh, We're talking about something that I do care about and something that I do want to change about my life. Um, In fact, I talk about it even during this interview that uh, for the year 2016, I'm working on trying to become more productive. And we're going to talk about that today. Our guest is Jeff Sanders. He's the host of popular 5 a.m. Miracle podcast where he helps listeners bounce out of bed bright and early with extraordinary energy and enthusiasm. He's also a 10-time marathon runner and a personal development junkie. And most notably, Jeff is the brand new author of the book, The 5 a.m. Miracle, Dominate Your Day Before Breakfast. And this is designed to help you maximize your time every day, be wildly productive, and achieve your life's grandest goals. I thoroughly enjoyed reading this book. I got through the entire book between uh, the night before this interview, which was last night, and this morning, and then I conducted the interview today. So I was massively productive in just getting through the book, but it's because it's something I actually really want to do in my life, and I'm hoping that you want to the same. So though you may not be an early bird person, you may not be an early morning person, perhaps you even see yourself as a night owl, I think you're really going to appreciate the angle that Jeff takes with this book 
In addition, uh, you're also going to enjoy how he puts some balance to all of it um, and makes it really simple. And I'm going to talk about all that uh, with Jeff in the uh, interview that we're going to listen to right now. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hey, Angus, how's it going? It's going fantastic. As uh, we were just saying before we came on the air, I devoured your newest book. Thanks so much for sending that to me, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, no problem. It was really challenging, and for all the right reasons. And, oh, good. <laughs> and we're totally going to unpack all of that. I want to kind of start with you a little bit before we jump into all of the ramifications of your book and its launch and all those exciting things. I know that you're a runner. Uh, you've got your 5 a.m. Uh, Miracle podcast. I know you're from Missouri, uh, <laughs> sure. which, you know, Midwest Mafia unite. Um, and I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, and you have a degree in theater and psychology, but you're into blogging and podcasting and writing. How did that happen? It's a great question. I think that it actually it started just at the end of college, then right when I got my first job after college. You know, I, I had a degree in theater, which I had never planned to use. I just really enjoyed theater. I did that for most of my life growing up, and I thought that I was good at it, but I never actually wanted to do it professionally. I just liked being on stage. It was fun. Uh, and so then when I graduated and my wife got into grad school, she's like, hey, I'm moving to Boston. I was like, well, I will go with you, of course. Let's go to Boston. And I have no plans for my life, so I'll just tag along and just figure things out. And I got to Boston and realized I don't have any direction. I have no idea what I want to do. So I got a job at door-to-door sales, which was hell on earth. I'm just <laughs> as, as simple as possible. It was the worst job I could possibly imagine. Were you selling vacuums or knives or what were you doing? I was selling Verizon business phone service door-to-door. And painful. so I was literally just walking the streets of Boston suburbs, all these different businesses, and trying to sell them Verizon business phone service. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, that's a, it was a really bad product because I knew nothing about it. And they didn't want to talk to me. And the whole thing was just awful. It was just the worst show ever. But anyway, the good part about it was that my boss was really into John Maxwell. And he forced me to read one of his books, which at the mm-hmm. time, like I had just finished college and like the reading that I had done was just forced reading. It was required for classes. I didn't voluntarily read anything. So when he said, read this book, I thought, okay, well, just another assignment. I'll, I'll read this book. That's fine. I can do that. But I loved it, completely yeah. just devoured that book and realized at that point that there was this whole world of personal development I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got really into just devouring books and podcasts and learning as much as I possibly could. I found all these amazing people who were doing these amazing things and living these lives I'd never even heard of, like being paid to speak publicly and like, you know, writing books and like, this whole world that I was like, this is so cool. I was just infatuated with it. Mm-hmm. And so I knew at that point, I want to mimic those people. I want to be like them. Mm-hmm. And the question was, well, how do I do that? And that's where the idea of websites and blogging and podcasting all really came together. And I realized I could kind of take my theater background and apply that to you know, kind of the performance of podcasting and make that what I do. And it took years to put the whole thing together, but mm-hmm. I knew for a long time that was the direction I was going. And you've been doing, um, particularly the podcasting element, are you on year two? Is that how long you've been I doing about? Been now for two years and five months. Okay, two and some change. Yeah, and as uh, the rookie here, um, thanks so much for uh, paving the way because it seems like podcasting is is really becoming a thing and I'm really happy to be a part of the the party, but um, I actually went back and listened to some of your old podcasts, and I feel so much better because when you start, you're never as good as you think you can be, and then when you, I'm sure, and maybe you can even say this, you get to a point where um, I would love to think 
that I'll get to the point where we're like, awesome, I got it down. But I'm sure you, even you probably say to yourself, like, there's always other tweaks you can make to get better. Yeah, I think that in the past I've had these kind of, you know, moments in time where I've thought, okay, I'm good with podcasting. I've nailed this formula. I've got this like routine that I do. And as soon as I feel that way, then I'm mad at myself for being too boring. I'm like, wait a minute. I have <laughs> right. to like up, up my game and, and be better. My audience will hate me if I don't do that. And like it, this kind of self-doubt creeps in. And so right. I think that there's, there's always that element. So no matter how good I feel with it, I always want to improve. And on that same token uh, we were talking about just before we got on the air, you know, as much as you plan for everything to go well, as much as you plan for everything to be perfect, um, even our audio before we got started, we had some issues, but you have a computer down, don't you? I do. Yeah. My, my famous iMac that I've loved for the last six years just died on me like three days ago. And let me tell you, it's like a baby in my house dying. Like it really was like my home computer for everything in my entire life. And so I'm using the backup laptop today, which is fine, but it's just not the same. Yeah. And I use that as a metaphor. The reason why I wanted to bring that up is because in reading your book, The 5 a.m. Miracle, Dominate Your Day Before Breakfast, (laughs) uh, you say it way better than I do, Um, but it can give the feeling uh, for someone who doesn't operate in a very organized format it can be really intimidating. And the way that you structured this book um, is so helpful. I mean, you first give insights, and then you do like this kind of a review, uh, like a uh, summary, and then you give an action plan. And I believe that the way that you structured for someone that maybe is a little bit more like myself, I'm a little bit more relaxed and spontaneous. So to think of myself in a structure and wanting things to go well, I'm so happy to you know, have you just share the story that even if you having all these things down, things can still go wrong and things cannot be perfect. And you even share some of that in the book. And that's what I want to dive into. So as a preface... For people who might be listening to think like, oh, that's just so above me, the way that you did this book and the way that you communicated yourself, I think, was super effective in kind of taking the pressure off. So the goals, I'm glad you felt that way because I know that I'm a very type A kind of guy. Like mm -hmm. I approach things in a very organized fashion. I'm very meticulous. My wife is the same way. So our house is, it's very organized. And the two of us are just like little machines most of the time. So we we don't have that spontaneity that you have. We don't have that, you know, kind of relaxed, just we're going to chill today. Like we're both like too caffeinated for our our own good. (laughs) Like. But I'm, I'm glad you found the book though approachable in that sense. I think that, that that was my goal here was to reach you know even someone like you who, who wanted to kind of approach organization and productivity from a stance that that is digestible in that way. And here here's the other thing um, that I just want to set as a caveat before we get started. You know, there's an old saying that says, "When the student is ready, the teacher will appear." And one of my goals for 2016 is to become more productive. And so, you know, here it is, you're launching this book and you ping me. And we, for those of you who don't know, we live in the same city. Um, I believe it is a fact, Jeff, that you are the only person I've interviewed who's actually been in my house. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so when we first moved here, we invited a bunch of people and you were so cordial enough to come and hang out with us. So let's dive into the book from uh, this, this point right here. Um, And here's the core. I want to just start right from the core. You said it early in the book, and I can't remember if it was in the preface or maybe even chapter one, and you said, when we get to chapter four, 
we're going to talk about the 5 a.m. blueprint. And admittedly, I stopped what I was doing and I just scanned all the way down to chapter four to kind of wrap my brain around it and then went back up to the, you know, chapter one or wherever I was, I left the place. Can you please explain or take a moment uh, to share about the 5 a.m. blueprint and what the inspiration was behind it? The Blueprint really came about because I was doing some coaching a few years ago and I had done my podcast for a little while and I was basically talking about all kinds of things that I knew about or things that I enjoyed doing, things that I thought worked well, but I had no real structure to the system. So people would ask me, so Jeff, what's the 5 a.m. miracle formula? Like, well, how do you just do this? And I was always like, just wake up early and do it. And mm-hmm. that was a terrible answer. You know, and my coaching clients were like, I, I could tell you're doing things, but, but what are you doing? Just like, yeah. lay it out for me. And, and so I was, it was hard for me at first. And then I realized, wait a minute, there can be a structured system. So the 5 a.m. blueprint is a seven-step system that really does walk you through the process of achieving your life's grandest goals. And it starts, you know, and from the, the very bottom of just identifying what those goals are. And then it builds up from there of adding in different strategies and routines and systems that allow your entire life to be structured in a way that you literally do wake up and work on what matters most today. And if you're doing that, then it's working for you. And, and that was the goal was to have that confidence of knowing I have the clarity, I have the systems, I know what I'm doing and everything's connected and everything works, but we have to kind of build that system first. So that's what the blueprint does. It lays it all out there and says, here's what to do first and then second. And then the whole yeah. thing comes together. Then the clarity is all there. Yeah. And you know, um, one in particular um, of, and this book is full of lists I mean, the whole, when you say it's structured, I'm just trying to tell you, the, re, the listener here, that when you read this thing, you're going to see list after list after list. Um, and that's part of the magic or the beauty behind it is that then it makes it far more digestible because of those quick lists. And one of the ones you started off with was the power of getting up early. And for myself, I was, I always saw myself as the night owl. I always, you know, burn the midnight oil. And it wasn't until I had kids, which you and your wife, that's going to be so fun. You, uh, you, when you guys have kids, I, I want to I sit around and watch the fun um, because improvise, adapt, and overcome. I've got three of them. <laughs> and finding ways to take these kind of principles and put them in light of the serendipity that comes with family and kids and everything else, um, you even packed some creativity in that. And before we dive into kind of letting people off the hook a little bit, can you talk about those like 10 benefits of waking up early? And again, with the pressure off, even though you said 5 a.m., can you also talk about what 5 a.m. may mean to someone else? Sure. I mean, my entire speech about the 5 a.m. miracle is that 5 a.m. is arbitrary, which basically means that the point of waking up early is not waking up early. It's 5 a.m. is just a, a made-up time that I like to, to stick to it myself. But the point is to be intentional. The point is to know what your day is going to look like. And so, yes, there are plenty of benefits with waking up early. But really the beauty and the miracle itself is that you woke up with a plan and you saw that plan through. And so that time could be 5 a.m., it could be 8 a.m., it could be noon. It doesn't really matter. The point is, is that you know what you're doing and you've laid that out there for yourself on paper, on purpose. You know, th- that whole idea of being structured and intentional. Yeah. And that's really the miracle. Um, so I think it's just like the miracle morning. That takes the pressure off my head. Yes, yes. <laughs> 
And, and then in terms of, you know, actual benefits of waking up early, I mean, I, there's, there's so many of them. I love that just the fact that for most people, 5 a.m. or early morning time is your only time alone. I mean, if you've got a family, you've got kids, you know, let's imagine they get out of bed at six. You might have an hour before they're awake. That's mm-hmm. just for you. You could meditate. You could read. You could do yoga. You could go for a run. Whatever it is you want to do, yeah. that alone time is so precious. And for a lot of people, that's their only alone time. And so that's why it's such a great thing to have. Yeah, and you you gave like 10 uh, benefits uh, for waking up early, and I just want to read those for those of you who are listening right now, and and this really kind of brought it home for me, uh, because like I stated, once I had kids, I started getting up early in the morning, it put me on a new routine, and I found myself getting up earlier and earlier, and I would go to bed, you know, the opposite as well, I would start to go to bed earlier, so like my whole shift was a natural byproduct of having kids. And I love how in your book, you actually talk how you can actually do it intentionally without having kids. <laughs> and these are the things that I found are, I mean, you nailed this um, because I've found these even in my own life. Well, most of them at least. One, uh, more time to plan your day and execute it effectively, which I need to get better at that, but it's so true. Two is the perfect quiet time. That's the part I relish. Like just quiet. And then especially in the springtime and and the birds are chirping, it's beautiful. Um, Higher quality sleep and more consistent sleep patterns. Absolutely. Four, more uh, energy and optimism. I don't know if that's my natural wiring. Uh, Like you're type A, I'm just a natural optimist. I don't know if that's (laughs) it, but I do have some of it. Better focus. Yes. Um, You said better brain, improve mental clarity and creativity. I think so. I, th- I think, you know, in the mornings, I do think best. I-, I feel like I'm on my game. Once it gets to about 11 or 12 o'clock, I'm pretty much done for the day. Uh, the next one you said is sexier and healthier body. I don't know about that. I don't want to be a stumbling block for anyone. I, you know, I am pretty sexy. Uh, you know, maybe I should sleep in a little bit just to take the, you know, the eyeballs off of me. Um, a consistent increase in daily productivity. Absolutely. Uh, nine is more likely to accomplish your grandest goals, which I want you to talk about th- those grandest goals. And then 10, you will join uh, an exclusive club of high achievers. And those are the two things I'd really like you to kind of share. What are the grandest goals and how does that tie into this quote unquote exclusive club of high achievers? Well, essentially your grandest goals, the way that I define it in the book is really kind of like your bucket list. Only I get a little more practical in the sense that a lot of people might say, well, a bucket list for me is to climb Everest. And that might be a great bucket list goal, but is that really likely? Are you going to actually say, well, then that means tomorrow I'm making a phone call to somebody you know, in Nepal and I'm going to get this thing you know, organized. It's like, well, it's probably not. For most people, a bucket list is just like a fantasy. It's too far. Mm-hmm. So for me, a grand goal is an achievable goal that you are actually going to spend time working on. And it's tangible and it's real and you care about it and you are making progress on that goal. And so for me, that early morning time is an ideal time to make progress on those grand goals. So you become more likely to accomplish them because you are waking up and spending time on them. And that's what gets you to the accomplishment. Yeah. And then what is it about this exclusive club of high achievers? There is something very interesting about the fact that there are so many people in the world who are, you know, we see them as successful. The, the CEOs, they are the bigwigs. They are the people that are on the news. You, you know of them. You hear their names. They are successful and achieving greatness. And so many of them are early risers. 
mean, and from 4.30 a.m. and up to, you know, a little later than that, you have people like Tim Cook, CEO of Apple. You know, you've got the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine, Howard Schultz from, you know, Starbucks. You've got all these people who, I mean, it includes presidents, it includes past presidents, people who are getting up early are tackling their day and dominating their day before breakfast. And that's mm-hmm. really what this is about is saying if you want to achieve greatness, then do what those who are doing that are already doing. Copy them, mimic them. Yeah. And that to me is what early mornings are, can really be all about. And in your book, you even you painted some contrasts. You know, you can either sit down and and drink your your sugar filled soda and your <laughs> bag of chips, or you can eat healthy. And the reciprocation of that, or the the you know the results of that, you have what you have. And so, about making those choices was a critical component while you're reading the book of what do you really want, and then making the decisions to follow along. And part of that, um, in Chapter 3, you were talking about um, uh, Flanders. Um, it was uh, bouncing, bouncing out of bed uh, with enthusiasm, how to finally become a morning person. And so you said you, do, you have to find your inner Flanders. Can you tell us a little bit about Flanders? Totally can. Ned Flanders is one of my favorite characters from The Simpsons, and really of all characters on television ever. Um, and not because I think he's like a person to model necessarily, but he is a fascinating individual who's so perky, so happy. He has this kind of just grand persona about him. And a lot of that has to do with kind of what I discuss in the book, this you know waking up early, this perky, enthusiastic attitude, this excitement and vigor for life. And for me, I, I kind of call on my inner Flanders when I want to be that better version of myself. And I think that everyone should find their own version of that. Like, who can you embody? Who can you mimic? Who, When you think about that person, you think, yes, that's where I'm trying to get to. Like, that person mm-hmm. embodies the better version of me. And so whoever that person is for you, think about that person, study that person, and become them. And then the process, of course, you can discover more about yourself and be more unique, but, but you want to embody those better characteristics of, of that person. Yeah, excellent. The, um, you know, as you are slowly becoming this person throughout your book, you, you have these exercises, you follow them in the end of some action items. And as you're moving forward, um, the book is not just about the mornings which is when I thought the book kind of made a cool little transition. And you gave some tools, some little worksheets. You have, the, like I said, these action plans for you to actually fill out. Um, so those exercises, I think, become pretty powerful. And then when you get to about chapter six or seven, you talk about um, planning and executing um, the best day uh, ever or best day of your life or whatever it was, and then basically rinse and repeat or something like that. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, essentially one of the key goals about of the 5 a.m. blueprint and laying out that plan is to discover what an ideal day would look like for you or really an ideal morning and ideal evening routines um, and on a, on a grander scale, kind of an ideal week and, and really mm-hmm. laying out kind of what would my life look like if everything went really well. And once you can ask that question and then really answer it with honesty and, and put it on paper and, and, and say, this is what it is. Like I can visually see it. I can, you know, an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is you want to use. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. Just you create this visual of here's what would be amazing for me to do. And then the question is, how do I do this once? And then once you do it once and you kind of tweak it and optimize it and, and make it good, then do it again and again and again and again. And the goal is to repeat that process because that is your best day. And if you could have that best day every single day, that's a pretty cool life. And, yeah. and that's the intention is that this is a repeatable process. These things are habits. They are systems that are, that are repeatable. 
And if you create it yourself and customize it for your own life, you can really design a life that you want to live. And, and that's really exciting stuff. Yeah, and there's something, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that you even share in it that I thought was really good is, you know, finding those times that are the most ideal for your productivity itself. So when you were talking about the productive week, setting aside the times that you have your routines in the mornings and keeping those routines so that you don't have to just wing it. You don't have to um, go through any extra brain work to exhaust yourself. Like you just know what you got to do. And it's, you didn't get into this, but it's kind of like that. I, I remember the story of someone like Steve Jobs who had one attire was those black mock turtlenecks because mm. he never had to make a decision. You know, that was one less decision he had to make in his day. So your little routine that you um, have kind of outlined how people can design, um, that's part of that. And then it jumps into the priority project so that the best part of your day is spent on like the one thing mm. and get, making sure you get that one thing done in the day. Then you break for lunch and then all the side projects or other projects you may have to do, you save that till the till later in the day. And part of that also includes, and I thought this was funny, you love to empty your email in the morning, mm-hmm. like inbox zero. I've always waited till the end of the day. Like it's something I dread. I'm like, jeez, <laughs> I know that I'm gonna have to, you know, put some brain work. And you gave some really uh, practical ways to empty an inbox. Can you share real quick what those were? Yeah, emptying an inbox for me is all about making sure that you can process every single email every single day. So I have my personal rules, inbox zero every 24 hours. Most of the time for me, it happens all day long. Like I'm in inbox zero throughout the day usually because I'm answering emails a lot. But the process is very simple. Like emails come in, it's either going to be spam email that you just toss in your junk folder and you ignore, or it's an email that you read once and delete immediately because it's just an email you have to read. Or it's one that has to actually be responded to and processed. And so if you have these times in your day blocked off to say, I'm going to, here's email time. I'm going to read the email. I'm going to respond to it right away. And then when I'm done responding, I file it into a folder. And I I have one folder called complete and everything goes in that folder once I'm done with it. Um, The other possibility is that you might have a message to reply to later on. Like this is too much work to tackle now. So I just, I can dump that email into my complete folder and then make a note in my task manager of scheduling when I'm going to go back and reply to that email. And and that system allows me to process every email every day. And I know that I'm on top of every single message and I miss nothing if I've done this well. And you know, you do this often enough, you get pretty good at it. And this guarantees that you are always in communication. You always know what's going on. And at least once every 24 hours, you know that you have seen every single message and process that effectively. And you, you you missed one part of your process that I thought was really kind of cool is you said you, you shoot an email to the person that sent you the one email, you know, that might take a little more thought or a little bit That's more true. research. And you tell them, hey, I can't get to it right now, but I'll get to it, you know, within you know a deadline. And then, you, of course, you set your own schedule so that you can get that done, in, which I think is brilliant because mm-hmm. then people aren't left waiting two, three, four days and they're like, oh, I totally got blown off. You show the importance and value of saying, hey, I got your email. It's important to me, and I want to make sure that I get the important answer back to you. And here's the deadline in which you're going to get that, which I thought was fantastic. I can use that in my everyday. I'm stealing that one. That's fantastic. And that idea came to me from somebody else that I had. I forgot who it was now. But like that idea, when I heard it, I was like, yes, that's exactly what I should be doing because Mm – 
the, the way I, I view email, the same way I view a text message or a voicemail is that, you know, people want to communicate with you and you should value that person, respect that person and give them at the very least a, a quick email back that says, I got it. I'll get back to you tomorrow or the next day. Mm-hmm. And that gives them, yeah, the confidence of knowing you've heard the message and they'll get back to you. So it's, it works out really well. Plus it gives you your own deadline. Now you can postpone that and say, I'll get back to you in two months or whatever the case. Right, right, right. But then you can create your own schedule for it, which is a lot nicer. Yeah, and um, one other thing is you also kind of unpack some of your secret sauce for your own um, life. Um, Some of the books that you've read, you give some recommended reading, you give some worksheets, you give people access uh, to you and your community. Um, All of that, I think, is just brilliantly done. Um, the entire book, um, I give two thumbs up. I don't, I'm, I'm not a book writer or whatever. I wrote one. I know how hard it is. So congratulations on finishing it. Cause I know th- writing the book is hard. Editing's like even harder and then getting out and hustling it is like the worst. Like that's the hardest. Um, so I'm happy to be a part of helping you spread the word so I can save you a little bit of, uh, time and energy and I can kind of hustle it on my end. Um, I'm a believer now. Oh, man, it's like one of those things that you hear, you know it's true, and it hurts, mm, yeah. um, but it's it's necessary. And you said something in the book about being the masochist. Mm. And when you exercise that masochist muscle, that it gets easier in the same way you would in the gym. Yes. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, this was a thought that I had. It came from marathon training, actually, because I've, I've run about 10 marathons. And I know from experience that, that, you know, the more that I put myself kind of in harm's way or in these challenging scenarios, the easier it is the next time that I go do that. You know, running in the rain for me is actually fun. Most people, if you run in the rain, is an awful experience. I love to run snowstorms, blizzards, you know, hailstorms, like bring it on. Like I love torrential, challenging running. Yeah. And I applied that same lesson to the other work I have to do in my life. And I realized I just need to build up that discipline, that those masochism muscles of being able to experience pain and not being scared of it, but actually embracing it and really kind of, I'm not saying getting a high off of it, but you know, using it to your advantage and saying like, I can be you know, uncomfortable. I can be angry. I can have these kind of feisty emotions, but use that to be more productive and to get more done. And I, honestly, it works. The more you do it, the better you get at it and the easier it is. And it just, it builds on itself over time. And I just, I love the process. That's so cool. Um, and so I want to kind of transition um, from the book to kind of um, you personally. When you put yourself out there, whether it's a website or whether it's um, a podcast or whether it's a book, like there's always these little inner head demons, you know, those little, uh, my dad calls them cranial crabs. Um, you know, the, the, the things is self doubt and stuff, kind of like what we were talking about when we started, like what, what was it that you experienced when you first started this whole process and what are ways, uh, some helpful tips that you got over some of those fears? When I first started blogging, it was that same that fear of nobody's going to read this. Like I don't exist. I'm just a random voice in the in the the void, you know. And that was kind of scary, but at the same time, it was liberating because I knew I could say whatever I wanted and nobody would know. Um, Which was kind of this experimental phase for me when I first began. And so my first blog, which is not there anymore, I was spending a lot of time just writing whatever was on my mind and, and knowing that no one's going to see it. But then, as my second blog kicked off, with where I is now on my website. I was getting a little more traction, had a little bit of an audience, and I was getting some responses. 
And then the fear was, well, now I don't want to anger anybody. I don't want to be anyone's enemy. I don't want to, I, I want to, you know, play it safe. Right. Like, so I, I reversed course completely. Yeah. I was really just creating content that was fluffy and nice and easy and very mediocre just to make sure I ruffled no feathers. But then I got more confident. You know, the more that I did this, the more that I felt strongly with my own voice and my own opinions. And then that's when the podcast came out. And what was funny was I knew the podcast, like, in general, was going to get more attention than the blog. I just mm-hmm. kind of expected that. And it did, which was great. But what, what comes with that is also negative comments, angry emails, one-star reviews on, on iTunes. <laughs> oh, no moments. And yeah, I got yeah. those. And yeah. those suck. They are never easy. They're never fun. They suck today. I hate them. Like, they're just right, the right. Worst. But it is important to have those because it, it means people are listening. People are your, your voice is being heard and you're finding your audience. You're finding those who want to hear you and those who don't, that's their choice. They're going to not want to listen to you. I remember right at the very beginning, I had some really, my very first one star review on iTunes was a guy who was really mad at me because I was vegan. And I was like, my podcast has nothing to do with being vegan. It's about early mornings and productivity. Yeah. I happened to mention it, but like, it's not a focus. And this guy was so mad about it. And I was just like, what? Why? I was just like, what is going on? It was just, it was really hard. And like, so that process of going through it and, and, and getting those, you know, those haters out there, you have to kind of experience some of that to, to test your own, you know, voice, to test your own message. I think it's good to have that because it, it forced me to really define who I'm trying to reach and, and what I want to say to those people. And when I know who I'm trying to talk to, then if someone doesn't fit that mold, it's okay because I'm not mm-hmm. talking to everyone. I'm talking mm-hmm. to my audience. And it, it, it's, it's now very helpful to know, like, this book that I wrote is for a specific audience, and the podcast is a specific person. Like, that's who I want. And if you're not that person, I'm totally cool with that. But it still sucks to hear those negative comments. <laughs> and when you started um, with your blog and, um, and your podcast, like, you know, and this speaks, I, I'm asking this even on my own personal interests, like, <laughs> Building a platform is hard work. It's a lot of work, and most people don't realize that. Um, and sometimes you have to feel, um, you know, like you're kind of saying too much, and like people are going to turn away from you. Like, oh my gosh, like would you just shut up, Nelson? Quit <laughs> talking about your stuff. And yet, that was kind of that Midwest sensibility. I know you can relate to this. Like growing up in the Midwest, like anyone who you know, kind of looked like they were dressed too nice. You, you thought they were, they were a little pretentious. If they, you know, talked like where they n- name drop a lot, you're like, oh, he's a douche. Um, <laughs> like all those different mechanisms that validate people and their positions coming from the Midwest, it's very anti, like we have nothing to do with that. And what I've learned, and maybe you can echo this, is that when you finally feel like you have something of purpose you're the only person that can sell it like you sell it. Mm, yes. Like my passion has had to override my insecurities and my fear and my thought of what other people might say. How did you build your audience and how did you um, do it with authenticity or, and make it you? I think the best thing that I did from the very beginning, which I'm very glad that I did that to kind of establish the precedent, was that I told very personal stories and I was very willing to open up about my own struggles and in areas that I'd failed. And I was in a lot of ways I was doing like self-therapy. Like I really mm-hmm. wanted to kind of just put it out there as a way of saying, like, I'm trying to get better at this. I promise you. Yeah. But really it was about saying, like, I I'm not trying to be this polished, perfect version of myself. 
I mean, there's no doubt that when I put out an episode of the podcast, I've edited it. I've taken out areas where I've made mistakes. And so it, I do sound better on the podcast than I am in real life. That is just yeah. true. And I know that, but I still want to share those personal stories and, and really relate to my audience in a way that they know that I'm a human being too. And mm. I eat bad foods and I make mistakes and I do stupid things. And that's part of the process. And that's, I think, building my brand was really about establishing that. I have an episode of my podcast where I discuss my personal history with drug use, just like drugs I've taken in the past and like what mm. I did, why I did it and why I'm not doing it anymore. You know, not that I ever was an addict, but like I wanted to tell the story just so like, you know more about me than before. Yeah. And that now we can relate on that level. And so now you're going to trust me more. So now when I discuss some other new topic, like you feel like we're friends yeah. and, and that can grow. And so to me, like I'm trying to build a core audience of friends and people mm-hmm. who want to relate to each other and want to relate to me and my story. And so for, I have to tell that story for that to be possible. Yeah. And that's what my brand really is now. What do you mean you made mistakes? Haven't you always been this overachieving, list-keeping, you know, guru? I mean, to some degree, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a type A guy, sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely like I've made dumb choices, taken stupid jobs and been almost fired from multiple jobs for stupid reasons. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yes. Like I, I'm still that guy who, who needs to learn a lot of lessons. So uh, but yeah, I, I would I wish I was this polished Jeff Sanders that I see on the podcast. I would be that guy. <laughs> awesome. You know, like, why can't I be him? That's yeah. What I love about that, that part of your story is. You know, um, many times when someone is type A and they have to have things perfect, when they do make mistakes, it becomes devastating. Mm. In addition, like you graduated with degrees, you know, that aren't necessarily related to your space. And yet, which is really ironic, is they're altogether related to your space. Mm. Like you didn't go to college to become a podcaster. You didn't grow, go to college to become a writer or whatever, or at least not this kind of writing. It's amazing how we all have the capacity to innovate our own lives and allow life to unfold and embrace it as it comes. And this is one of the things I'm trying to tell my daughter is that she's in college right now. My oldest daughter is 20, and she wants to, you know, whatever she decides her major is, um, that that's it. This, This is it. And I'm like, you may change your mind. You may get that degree, and then you're going to get out in the world and realize that this is a terrible choice, (laughs) or you're going to find interest in other areas. And I think for your story, and that's what I love about it, and, and, and I can kind of really relate, is that the power to iterate our lives Mm. is not based on perfection, but it's based on being a self-learner. And that's where your book, I really think for anyone who's listening who is a self-learner or who wants to become a self-learner, the best place you can start is by innovating yourself. Definitely true. And once you start doing that, the dreams and the passions and the desires that you have for your life suddenly become possible. And I think that's where our culture um, really misses the boat, that failure is not, you know, what's the cliche? It's not final. Mm. But failures are just the opportunity for lessons on how not to fail again or how to do it differently or how to gain expertise. And that's what I um, I guess I, I, I took away from your book was like, even though I feel like in many ways I've really, you know, earned my stripes and got into other degrees, like I'm ready to go to the next level. And the 5 a.m. miracle to me 
is that next level. So from from if I can give it any, you know, credence or validity, thank you for writing that and and more importantly, thank you for sharing it with me. Um it's it's an honor to know you as a friend and it's an honor to um now have to put my nose um to the grindstone and walk this stuff out. So thank you for that. Yeah, well thank you. That's awesome to hear that. I think that's that's it's a really important point I think you made about about self-iteration and being a self-learner. You know, one of the things I, I talk about in the book that I, I live out in my life is a weekly review process where I'm looking at what did I do last week and how can I not do the bad things to next week and how can I do the right things more? And that mm-hmm. kind of just that, you know, you're analyzing your own life in a constant yeah. way to say like, you know, I can get better. I know I can. What are those areas and, and what's that going to look like and what can I practically go do to make myself better starting immediately? And I think I love that process so much because it literally means that I'm a different and better person every single week. And that's the goal. And and if that becomes true and you really are growing like that, even in small doses over the course of a year or two years, you literally grow into a new human being. And it's a fantastic process to go through. I love it. Yeah. And it's not perfect is not the goal. It's perfecting. It's getting Mm. better, getting better. Um, So um, if people want to get a hold of you, Mr. Jeff, how do they go about getting a hold of you? Well, jeffsanders.com is the place to be. Um, you can email me if you want to. It's jeff at jeffsanders.com as well. Uh, also, the podcast, The 5 a.m. Miracle, is on iTunes, and those are the two best places to go to learn more about that. And the book is now available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and you know, walmart.com and all kinds of places. So. Yeah, are we still in pre-sales right now or the, the yes, pre-release? I mean, pre-order, the book will be available um, by December the 1st, although I've been told my publisher might release it early if it becomes ready early. So it could be any time in the next few weeks. <laughs> Keep you guessing. So right. go out there and uh, reserve your copy. And I want to end on this note, uh, Jeff. I, I pulled out one little nugget uh, from the book that um, I want to share with our audience. And it actually was a quote. You quoted um, Earl Nightingale, and he was known as the father of the modern personal development movement. And he defined success as the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. In other words, if you actively and consistently work toward inspiring and challenging goals that push you toward your own potential, you are successful and in turn, living a life of greatness. And with that, thank you, sir, for your time. Thank you. Thanks again to Jeff for uh, joining us on this uh, show. I'm so grateful for him and all of the valuable information he brought. If you need uh, any of those links that may have been mentioned, you can find those on the website. Uh, You can either go to AngusNelson.com and go to the podcast page, or you can just simply type in upinyourbusiness.co. That will take you directly to the podcast page. This is episode 009, and in the show notes, you'll find all the links you need to acquire Jeff's book and more. Uh, In addition, I'd also enjoy uh, you coming to be a part of what we're doing on the website. While you're there, go ahead and put your email address and um, join our little uh, entourage. I will bring you great content and let you know of any of the products that I'm going to be releasing in 2016. I'm working on all sorts of goodies that are going to help you to be your most effective self. Um, This last episode that I released before this 008, I actually took that as an opportunity to share with you 
um, kind of my heart and uh, some of the things that I'm good at, and that in particular is networking and being able to meet new people. I hope you enjoyed that. If you happen to have listened to that and um, want to share with me um, your experience, I would really appreciate that. You can send me an email at hello at angusnelson.com. And that goes for anything. If you um, want to share with me any of the greatest challenges that you're facing right now or just want to stop in and say hi, I'd love to hear from you. I'm kind of a people person, so I love meeting new people. In addition, you can come and find me on social media at Angus Nelson on Twitter. Uh, You can also find our group uh, Facebook page. It is a private group, but if you go there and request to be uh, invited in, I will let you in. And that's a place where we can have deeper dialogue. And that's also where I bounce ideas off of people. And that's kind of the inner circle. If you want to be a part of that, you're more than welcome. So that's everything I have for you today. Um, One last thing is that next week uh, we are going to hear from Aaron Walker. And if you've never heard him before, you're in for a treat. In fact, we got to the end of the uh, interview and I was kind of dumbfounded and never really had that happen to me before. I was just stunned trying to process all the great information that he was uh, giving us. So be looking forward to that. Um, Other than that, have a fantastic week. I appreciate you. Go be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not com. <laughs>